Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, everybody. Good morning and welcome uh, to the program. We are coming to you live from Smash Studios. Here in Hudson Yards in New York, as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. Uh, this, I think, is going to be dinner party with Vince this morning. I can just tell what's going on here. At this hour, are you ordering food? Brunch. Brunch party with Vince. Right, there you go. Ordering food, catching a ride, or looking for a date? Well, people do everything on their phones today. As such, they expect to browse, buy, and sell real estate from the palm of their hand as well. Technology touches every aspect of the real estate industry today. Buyers can see a bird's eye view of a neighborhood 2,000 miles away through drone footage. You can buy a home online without ever taking out a pen to sign a contract. Okay, here we go. Searching for new listings is as simple as downloading an app, closing your location, uh, choosing your location rather, and uh, awaiting notifications with options. So more than 70% of people today, buyers today, search for homes online and 85% of real estate agents use texting to communicate with their clients on the fence with that one <laughs> where is all this leading also at this hour we will get an update on the new condo development market from steve kligerman uh, who's president of halstead and brown harris stevens development marketing uh, but first i'd like to welcome my listeners in the united states and around the world i am vince rocco and this is good morning new york real estate in the news this morning grammy award winner nora jones has listed her four-story townhouse in cobble hill for eight million dollars this according to the wall street journal yesterday the brooklyn home sits on 25 feet on a 25 foot wide uh, lot at 166 Amity Street and contains five bedrooms, three bathrooms and a backyard with a disappearing heating t- heated pool. Now how I, how do you disappear and make a pool disappear? I'm not quite sure about that. <laughs> and a hot tub. The singer-songwriter first picked up the 19th century house in 2009 for 4.9 million dollars. Harry Macklow was offloading uh, his stake in a in a Midtown Tower while he attempts to build another one. The 82-year-old is departing 200 East 59th Street, according to The Real Deal. His capital partner in the building, Singapore-based Alpha Investment Partners, is buying his stake in the 35-story Upper East Side Condominium Tower. In accordance with our business plan, they say we are now focusing our efforts on other upcoming projects says a spokesman for Macklow Properties, we know Alpha will be a fantastic steward of this property. The move comes as Macklow attempts to assemble a midtown parcel of land for another skyscraper, Tower 5th, which, if completed, would stand 1,500 feet tall. In October, he secured a $192 million loan from Fortress to refinance the site. But plans for the tower have been put on hold as Macklow has tried to unsuccessfully uh, buy the Venezuelan consulate, which currently sits on the block between East 51st Street and East 52nd Street and Madison and Fifth Avenue is on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I mean, you can't write this stuff. <laughs> Go Venezuela. <laughs> so good. Uh, you know, unbelievable. Anyway, New York City is always looking for ways to increase income to maintain the trend. This is this is not a good one. To increase, uh, New York City is always looking for ways to increase income to maintain the transit system, parks, and other government facilities, which are usually funded by increases in taxes. But it doesn't end there. What were previously uh, merely discussions to raise taxes on the purchase of a pied-à-terre mm-hmm. are now being reconsidered. Mm-hmm. These properties are not uh, primary yeah, residents and usually serve as a second home for those who live outside of New York City. They are often high-end condos purchased by foreign buyers or others 
who do business in New York City but choose to live outside of the city and only use those apartments on a you know part-time basis. The proposed Pierre tax increase would impose an additional tax on purchasers who are buying a second home worth more than $5 million, while the new mansion tax accounts for this price range as well. Condo developers are now concerned about their potential revenue and sales, whether this pied-à-terre tax will become a problem or not. Uh, New York City real estate has always been a safe investment, but today with the new mansion tax, transfer tax, and rent stabilization laws, investors may not have anywhere that, that, to turn that, that, but going. outside the city. Keep going down the list. I'm going to go sell umbrellas on the beach. turning the knife. I'm going to go sell umbrellas on the beach. kill the golden goose. Very bright. Very intelligent. Very but much listen, foresight. we have to be transparent here. More on that as information <laughs> comes in, and hopefully we'll have better news there. Anyway, um, Steve Kligerman is here today. He's a long-standing, has a long-standing career in real estate and has earned his esteemed reputation from his colleagues and clients alike. He is president, as I said earlier, of development marketing for both Halstead and Brown Harris Stevens and is responsible for operations, direction, and management of new business, client relations, uh, pre-development planning, marketing, and sales. Along with his unmatched team of sales and marketing professionals, Steve has built the development marketing division in both companies. Uh, into the market leader in the industry uh, through unparalleled customer service, creative marketing, and record-setting sales teams, often sought out by the city's top developers. He consults with some of the top developers in the country based on his knowledge and expertise in developments. As a result of this experience, he is quoted frequently in the media. Steve is well-versed in every aspect of sales, management, development, motivation process, where where he works side-by-side with the sales and marketing directors, project managers, and marketing coordinators to ensure that every aspect of the development process is managed with precision, professionalism, and the highest level of business ethics. It is these qualities that have enabled Steve to rise to the top of his field. Yes, I am happy to say I work for Steve and have for many years, so good morning. Good morning, Vince. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. That's so, a hell of an introduction. Thank you. Well, you deserve it. This yeah. is your uh, encore performance because you were here before. I want to I wanna get... Um, I want to talk a little bit about an article that came out last week. I think we mentioned it on the show. Uh, actually, um, uh, Matthew brought it up. Josh Barmanal from the Wall Street Journal wrote last week that a drop in sales of new Manhattan condominiums has been even steeper and broader than conventional sales measures indicate. And this is all according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, an, an, al- an analysis of contracts signing, not closed. The journal's analysis examined completed transactions that listed the day the sales contract was signed for condos and new developments. Most real estate uh, analysts focus on the date that a unit closes. Um, so on the purchase of the unit, which can um, be up to several years later, so, you know, cer- certain months later. According to the contract dates, the number of new Manhattan condo sales peaked in 2015, as we all know, and has been falling every year since. The difference in what the data tells is even starker for more recent sales. Closing figures suggest that new condo sales have bounced back this year and they have already surpassed the total for all of 18, 2018. But looking at contracts signed over the first seven months of 19 indicates that sales were only one-third what they were during the compatible period in 2015. What are your thoughts on all of that? I mean, how we're measuring contracts signed versus closings, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So I actually spoke to Josh about the article before it came out and looked at a lot of the data. And there's a lot to what Josh has to say. Uh, But in addition, because of the way that the new development market works, when Josh is looking at contract prices on closed deals, what they're looking at is a lot of trailing data still. So, you know, when 
if you're looking at this year, a lot of those new developments haven't closed yet. So projects right. that have gone into market over the last nine months may not have closed. So that skews the data as well. The truth of the matter is there's no real perfect way to tell where the market's going and when. Uh, there's, uh, there's good data, there's bad data, and it also depends on which area of the marketplace you're looking at. Josh looked at markets all over the city and in the boroughs as well. And there were some bright spots that just kind of got left out. Um, because we all know that negative press sells. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Boy, does it. I remember the negative press back to 2000 and, I don't know, three or four, maybe five, um, when I was a brand new agent, and I'm sitting there reading the New York Times because we didn't have all these gadgets in, in, in those days, and just keep saying to myself, you know, all this negative press, all of this crazy, you know, negative um, information coming out from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, et cetera, et cetera. And buyers would come to me and say, or sellers would come to me and say, but what, you know, what is all this about? When is it going to stop? In your opinion, Steve, so what, I mean, you, I, I met actually with one of our developer um, executives yesterday and investors, you know, and of course the first question they ask is, so what is with the marketplace and when, when in your experience does it turn around? And I'm like, me? <laughs> You're asking me? I don't, you know, well, I'm just running with it. <laughs> that's the thing. By the time it's, by the time you notice it turned around, it's a little too late. Right. So actually what, what I would be saying to buyers right now is that, you know, we are either at or very close to the bottom. And you can never time the bottom and you can never time the top, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a, the great news is there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's great product out there. Developers are feeling the squeeze. They've, they've had their product on the market for quite some time. And you can get a really good apartment at a very good price at historically low interest rates right now. So th there's, there's kind of a perfect storm for buyers right now. They have many options. The product is better than it's ever been. The, the level of amenities, the level of finish, the, 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 the level of designer that are designing these projects and the architects that are coming to them. So they have lots of options. They have very low interest rates. And they're in an environment right now where developers are feeling like they need to make deals. So if not now, when? Yeah, I mean, is it safe to say, you know, you know, picking up on your point, they, they, you don't really know when the bottom is. And in fact, I was telling somebody yesterday, maybe it was this group of investors that, you know, you're never going to hear that ding. OK, because on a dime, the way things start going down on a dime, things start going up. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, well, maybe we hit the bottom or maybe we are now right. in a reverse pattern and things are going to start getting better, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. the, the, the person I was telling yesterday kind of looked at me like, oh, okay, well, that, that kind of makes sense. And I'm like, okay, so then buy something. <laughs> because if you're waiting for something else to happen, it's not going to happen. Well, and our market doesn't trade on an index, right? So you no. just, you can't follow it hour by hour, day by day. And still buying real estate is still an emotional experience as much as, as it is a financial decision, right? So, you know, the good news is we're in a city with a lot of wealth, right? And we're, we're in a city that, that, that embraces home ownership. So if, if you have the money and you have the means and you want to move, you may be selling at a little bit lower price than you wanted to, but you're upgrading percentage-wise at a much better deal than you're selling at as well. So there, there are great opportunities. In addition, the rental market is really high right now. So you know, you're talking for a truly luxury rental apartment, you could be at 110, $120 a square foot. So rental rates are through the roof, home ownership, there's still a lot of value. And so, yes, we are definitely in a marketplace that's challenged, but I think that the press has hyped it a little greater than the reality is. That said, there are still only so many people that can buy 
ultra expensive apartments, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollar apartments. But that's not that's not the marketplace that most of us serve on a daily basis. And it's also not the marketplace that makes or break the entire New York City residential real estate market. You know, uh, on the resale side, you know, we'll get back to more of the stuff after the break. But on the resale side, this week, we're only two days into this week. It's only Tuesday. I put two offers in yesterday at 10% below asking price. One was accepted, and we're waiting to hear That's on the That's fabulous. That's amazing. So, I mean, we're not talking about new development with our concessions and, and transfer taxes and mansion taxes and all that stuff. One is a condo, one is a co-op. But, I mean, you know, indication maybe, and this is a good thing, is that people, people being sellers are kind of grasping onto reality. And they understand that if you want to sell something and you need to sell it today, you got to work with the current marketplace. Because if you don't, the buyer's going to just move on to something else. And if they succeed somewhere else, that's fine. If they don't, you know, they, there's no sense of urgency. So that is what it is. It is anyway, let, let, hold, hold the thought. We got to take a break. Coming up after the break, more with Steve Kliegerman on new development, the uh, abundance of inventory today and what is coming out tomorrow. But first, this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We are all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, and we're here again with Steve Kligerman from um, Halstead and Brown-Harris-Stevens. 
Development and Marketing. In addition to Steve, we've got Sean McPeak from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from Halstead, Tracy Hammersley is rejoining us today finally from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan from FreelyAndLeaseBreak.com, and our own Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman. All right, Steve, Greg Heim, who's our chief economist uh, back at Halstead and Brown Harris, said potential buyers were worried about the impact of higher state transfer taxes as well, the, as, well as the uncertainty over politics and the future of the economy. But he said the full impact won't be clear until the spring, typically uh, a peak period for sales. You know, we all wait for the spring market, you know, which, you know, end of January into February. How, in your opinion, is the market dealing with the increases in taxes and closing costs that we're having, you know, or that we're experiencing today? And where is the relief, if if any? So I, I think that other than, you know, overbuilding yeah. in the wrong areas, I think that the biggest impact that we've actually had on our marketplace is the change in the state and local taxes and compounded by our lovely mayor who decided that real estate tax assessments were going to go through the roof in the last two years. So you have the compound effect of high real estate taxes that basically aren't tax deductible anymore on your federal income taxes. And I think buyers are really still trying to figure out exactly what that means because in the past, as real estate brokers, you could always basically figure out what your after-tax expense or savings was on on your home. Now you really can't because with the alternative, excuse me, alternative minimum tax and all the intricacies of the new tax law, it's really hard to actually figure out what your actual out-of-pocket is. So that that's had a tremendous effect on our marketplace, and I think it will continue to probably for another six months until people really understand what it all means. Uh, that compounded with higher transfer taxes and now the threat of a uh, – a pied-a-terre tax is just well, a, you know, more that, anti-business, yeah. and it's it's difficult because in a city as great as New York, you would think that we would have a much more pro-business attitude, and right now it feels very anti-business. But I will say on the development and sponsor side, don't you think that the transfer tax and mansion tax increase as well as all the SALT stuff almost has helped negotiating with sponsors because I feel like they're more willing to give up on you know closing costs like transfer taxes with the buyer because they're a little more understanding about how severe these changes are. Well, it's definitely given us a better argument to get the our clients to soften. But on the other side, you know, a lot of these developers also have minimum release prices that they have to meet, and sometimes all these uh, credits drop you below that, and it's a deal that although they may want to do, they just can't do. I mean, the net effect, well, I think, it, yeah. is is certainly negative because the real impact is with the consumer. The consumer always knew that they could start really fighting these prices and getting concessions, especially for buildings programmed, let's say, three to four years ago in a very different market. So they always thought they were going to get a deal. It's really only given us a little bit more leverage with developers. But to your point, you have strike prices that you have to hit. And really, you see the the pain is felt on these boutique smaller buildings where you have less units to really play with and you can't do three four five loss leaders you can do one and the discount while substantial against schedule a is really not enough to push the needle with buyers to get them to come right and then the question is once you start making those concessions when when can you stop 
and what's the real impact on the project, right? So all of a sudden, you know, like you said, you make one or two deals at a certain level. It's really hard to start pushing up after that because people talk, you know. There's, only, there's a few real estate lawyers that do most of these transactions for their buyers. There's a few really good real estate brokers who do them. So once they know what deal they got for their last client, it's hard for them not to try to get the same deal for the new one. Yeah, I mean, really the question is, is it a nicked capillary or is it a nicked artery? And, and when does like the that bleeding Well, that's a great analogy, <laughs> absolutely. And then, well, I think that varies on, that varies on the deal Dr. on the person. Shea, on the Mr. Situation. Shea with the words. Dr. Shea, Capillary and artery. Okay, there you go. Surgeon Shea. <laughs> you know, some people say it, it's slower and it's going to get slower in the foreseeable future. Somebody quoted this to me on Sunday this past week, and I just kind of looked at them and said, well, I mean, what do you base that on? And so a lot of people are concerned about the 2020 election year coming up. Sure. A lot of people are concerned about the impeachment process, investigations rather that are going on today. Uh, a lot of people have been concerned for the past two to three years with current administration in Washington, right, wrong, indifferent, bad, whatever, uh, good. Um, is this, in your opinion, Steve, you know, the, the, the reason people are kind of just slowing down in their mind saying, I mean, look, economy is great. Wall Street has been booming. Uh, made up for a lot of the, the losses that we had earlier in the year, mid this year, people are sitting on a lot of money and people are sitting on money that they can use to purchase, correct? So what what then becomes, you know, the 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 the, the reason that we can say to them, shake them out of their, their terror and get them to do something? Well, I think, again, it goes back to, you know, what product is on the market, where it's coming on the market. We have a project in Astoria that we haven't even officially opened yet. Uh, we have over a thousand people on an advanced list. When was the last time you heard that for a new? Oh, that looks right? awesome, by the way. So too, you know yeah. that's that's and 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 it's a great project. Yeah. But a thousand plus people, mm. you know, and we have a number of deals already, and people are really excited about it. Why? Because nothing really of this uh, level has been built in Astoria ever, right. and it's in a great mm. location. So you know the the. The if you build it, they will come still does exist. It just depends where you're building it. Unfortunately, a lot of the building that occurred in Manhattan over the last five years has not been in the areas where most people want to live. And, you know, that's difficult. Right. Uh, so you have to be choosy as well. But I, I think, you know, you also have to just look at every submarket. I mean, you know, Brooklyn's still doing very, very well overall. Long Island City seems to still be doing well overall. Queens in general, as I said, you know, Astoria. Uh, and there's you know, the Upper West Side still has mm -hmm. good absorption, but mm -hmm. then there's areas of the city that are absorbing slower because they just have so much. And again, not the right product for where people want to live. I agree. The steepest Quick question for Steve. I'm sorry. The Astoria project, what's the blended price per square foot for that? I'm We're curious. just over 1200 Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good project. I saw it the other day uh, come across my uh, email. It's, it's something I'd like to get out to see. I, I also, kind of, if I could just add, I, I also with, you know, as a pessimistic New Yorker, I'll actually <laughs> say, no. I'll, I'll actually no. say that there has been a lot of really good press in the news over the last week, week and a half. I mean, you know, regarding New York, not only did the whole Jamie Diamond, you know, 60 Minutes thing happen, but also Facebook just bought tons of office space in Hudson well, exactly. Yards. You know, Disney with the whole shift from Netflix to Disney, you know, streaming, they got tons of office space in New York as well. Mm -hmm. So New York is definitely becoming more of a go-to city for many different industries and even more in the tech world. And I, I do think that, you know, say what you will about the economy and say what you will about the market and whatnot, but there there are good things for the future as well. So I think we just, as New Yorkers, get to pick, you know, nitpick on certain things that are that are bad, but there are some good things. No, the, I think the economy is extremely strong here in the city, even though we're getting punished in certain ways uh, by 
you know, the federal and local governments. Uh, but the job market's strong. Rents are extraordinarily high. Rates are low. And prices are highly negotiable. I, I think this thing is going to turn around pretty quick. Um, and we're going to start seeing, you know, some, some supply issues in certain parts of the market really soon. Your lips to God's ears, No, I, I kind of agree with that because all of a sudden the last two weeks, people that I've been trying to work with all year long in both new development or on the resale side of my stuff, I, all of a sudden, you know, they're waking up and, and calling and emailing and texting saying, hey, what about this? What about that? Da, da, da. And I'm thinking, all right, right around the holidays. I'm experiencing the same you're thing, working too. Up. I got, Things yeah. have definitely picked up these and, last week. You know, yeah. We yeah. have like sure. this uh, tool called Real Scout, and you can see people's activity on it, your buyers. What they're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. They're looking at how many times. Like I have people that are looking at apartments 11, 12 times. Yeah, you know, I, in a day. I think the only way that we have a shortage of supply is if developers start to pull entire buildings off the market and make them rent to own, mm. which we're seeing. Well, I'm we're still, see we're see more still of that grossly oversupplied. You're, you're foreshadowing because I was going to ask that to Steve because you are right. There are several buildings that are doing rent to own. Some are just thinking about complete rental. What is your take on that? It wouldn't be a bad thing. Taking supply off the marketplace on the sales side would actually be a positive thing. I know that the, the headlines would be oh, doom tragic, and gloom, tragic. but the truth of the matter is if a developer and their financial partners can afford to switch gears, it's not a bad idea. Number one, you know, as you just said, we're adding more jobs in the city, so we're going to need more rental apartments anyway. It will take inventory off the market on the sales side, which will actually put pressure on buyers to step up to the plate. And it'll solve a financial problem for a lot of these developers. So whether it's rent to own or just strictly going rental, it's not a horrible thing. And and frankly, it would be, I think, good for the city and good for the market. You know, my, mm-hmm. my take on that, though, always is, and I remember when we were doing um, way back the 505 and the building across the street uh, was built as a rental. And then they never ended up renting anything because... As it turned out, the market got super hot, and so they went right to selling. Mm-hmm. So here, on the flip side of that, you know, you build something as a luxury condominium, and then because market conditions, you decide to change over to rental. How then in the future can you turn around and sell these units because they're no longer new? Yes, you can still sell them as first-time sales, sponsor sales because they've never traded before, but they're not new. Well, that's the question, and it's not just that they're not new, but now with the new rent laws, you're basically never converting those buildings well, to condominiums, right, so right, right, right. you really have to make sure that it works long term. Mm-hmm. Right. But typically, what the developer would do is they would they would rent up the building, they would stabilize the building, and they'd sell it off to a pension fund or an insurance company or someone that's looking for a long-term yeah. asset, so yeah. it would just remain as a rental. The good news is, is that the high-end rental market is actually doing really well. I don't know yeah. if any of you have yeah. shown the Allen on the Upper East Side, but I mean, they're getting... $25,000 a month for luxury three and four bedroom apartments. And they're, I think they're 90 plus percent leased in less than eight months. So the luxury rental market has a very deep base. Uh, you know, also, unfortunately, there are New Yorkers who, because of the tax situation, have decided to relocate, but they still want a place in New York. Because of the Pieta-Terre tax, they may just decide to rent a $30,000 a month apartment for the four days they come into the city. And the rent-to-own would be a very good hedge for them if the laws change. Absolutely. Because they'll already have they equity convert, in the unit, right. and if the law and changes, converted. they can snap it up quick. Uh, quickly, uh, Steve, before we go to break, are concessions working, in your opinion? I mean, across the board in new developments, whether there are developments or others, I mean, are they working where we're getting at least uh, or incentivizing buyers to put in offers See what you can do and and walk away with a deal. I, b- I believe they are. I think that you know there's there's a fine line between concessions and price, but I think uh, buyers also understand that there's a reason to maintain pricing consistency within a building. And I think that overall concessions are working. Uh, you know, again, 
if something is reasonably priced or you can get a reasonable deal on it, buyers buyers are stepping up. I mean, you guys all just said, you know, you, you've been busy the last couple of weeks and we've been busy yeah. for, for months. Yeah. I think that absolutely concessions do work as long as you have two reasonable parties. All right, great to hear. Anyway, a word from our sponsor, one of our sponsors, a good friend, a newscast, uh, new podcast host to the Voice America Business Channel has just started a very good show on real estate investing for commercial transactions. James Nelson is a pro with many, many years in the business, and I'm excited to say I know him and he has personally invested in sponsoring this show. His commercial will run during our commercial breaks, but in the meantime, you can listen to the show. Real Estate Investing Live from New York will provide you with uh, with everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. Although the show is based in New York City, explores the fundamentals of uh, investing in all asset classes across the nation. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusive exclusively uh, commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home show. We will te- He will teach you how to step-by-step source, acquire, improve, and operate commercial real estate. The show will start with a recap of New York City commercial real estate news, followed by an investor spotlight with a legend in the business, and then feature industry experts covering every aspect of the business. Tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific time, and of course, it will be rebroadcast uh, the next day. So, with that, we're going to go to break. Stand by. We are live from Smash Studios here in Hudson Yards. You are listening to Voice America Talk Radio Network. I am Vince Rocco. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, listen, according to Bloomberg News, and Matthew mentioned this before, Facebook is coming to Hudson Yards, part of a major push 
by the tech giant to expand its presence here in New York City. The social media company signed a lease of more than 1.5 million square feet of space across three buildings at the development, according to a statement released last Thursday. Even with Amazon pulling out of a deal to bring its headquarters to New York, tech giants continue to expand here in New York. Google has been boasting its presence in the area near it, boosting rather its presence in the area near its Chelsea hub while Facebook uh, is settling up, setting up shop at Hudson Yards, right here in Hudson Yards, where we all Ooh, are. I can love. see yes. Facebook's office as we speak. The major project <laughs> that <laughs> that has reshaped the far west side of Manhattan. The bulk of Facebook space will be at 50 Hudson Yards, where BlackRock Inc. is their anchor tenant, according to the mm-hmm. statement by developers-related companies and Oxford Properties Group. The company is also taking uh, more space in Towers 30 and 55 at the project. The lease is one of the biggest ever real estate transactions for Facebook, which opens its first New York office in 2007. Employees will start moving into Hudson Yards in 2020. So that's news, uh, good news for Facebook. <laughs> As we continue to um, invest in New York City. All right, so we're back here with the panel Sean McPeak, Matt Cohen, Tracy Hammersley, Phil Horrigan, Jordan Shea, and Steve Kligerman. Mm-hmm. So, my question to all of you over 70% of customers look for apartments online, and more than half of our appointments are booked through a website. Okay, so now more than ever, keeping up with the latest technology can help you <coughs> differentiate yourself with your competition. I mean, listen, when I first started in the business, we were looking at box ads in the New York Times that used to cost us $250 an ad, and it said really nothing, right? But you said, oh, okay, there's a two-bed, two-bath, or whatever. I'm going to call Vince. I'm going to go and look at it. No pictures, no floor plans, no anything. Why is this trend continuing? Why are buyers more so than ever looking up their own stuff on social media, not social media, on, on all these websites and all these technology real estate sites and then calling us? What's happening? I mean, I think, people, you know, out there just like we do, they like to do as much homework as they can before they actually see an apartment. I think they like to, which is is always good. I mean, I think people hate wasting their time, especially in a city like New York. So the most you could do on the back end before you go see something, the better. And technology is just what helps us with that. I mean, I'm taking a buyer out this afternoon and he's very flat iron focused. And and so I was trying to push him a little east to actually speaking of macro and alpha to one of alpha's projects. Um, you know, gorgeous projects on 21st and 3rd. And, you know, while I was trying to convince him, I actually spoke to the director of sales because she's really great. And and I said to her, hey, I'm trying to get this done. Like, I'm trying to get a showing for us because I know once he's there, he'll really like it. But it's all about getting him there. And she actually went to the um, she went to the apartment itself because it's an off market apartment and took photos of the views and sent them to me. Wow. And you know, technology like it might not be one of these cool like virtual <clears throat> reality things, but it's still using technology to be able to you know not coerce people, but also show them maybe what they don't know and what they don't see. And and we're going to see it. So. Nice. That's the nice story here, actually. Sometimes people are very unhelpful yeah. in business, but they're, 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 they're very unhelpful. Who wouldn't want to help Maddie? Come on. I always <laughs> say sprinkles are better than onions. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're chocolate sprinkles, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. No, but my my point there with with the whole you know setup is you know sometimes we feel like we don't get the opportunity to do our jobs. Okay, we're the professionals. You know, when when buyers come to me and behave and 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 rely on me, <clears throat> excuse me, to find them properties to go and see. This just happened at the end of last week. One day out, seeing four or five apartments, we've got two offers in. So look, 
you know your clients, or you should, you should be able to search for them and understand what they're looking for and what is right for them. I sometimes get a little crazy when buyers are out there searching on their own and sending you all these listings. I mean, listen, you gotta you got to cooperate, but they don't know what they're looking at. I mean, they have no clue what they're looking at. They love pictures. And my buyer the other day said to me, oh, this apartment looks much, she said it twice actually, this apartment looks much better than the pictures did. And I just looked at her and said, excuse me, didn't I tell you that on the phone? <laughs> don't look at pictures. They don't do an apartment justice sometimes. Uh, and sometimes they do. But it anyway, but, but hold on. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, you're Philip, not allowed to speak. <laughs> what did you do to check Vince off? You're next. No, but my point is, it, it kind of eliminates my, my feeling is it kind of eliminates our job in trying to educate or find the right stuff for buyers. Chip. Go ahead. No, I, I, Oregon, I, 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 <laughs> there you go. no I was I was going to say I'm uh, I'm very surprised that the number is 70 percent. I would have thought it was significantly higher. Yeah, me too. actually. Um, yeah. I mean, I would guess the number is 95 percent of buyers look first on the Internet mm-hmm. before calling their broker. Um, but it's just like Amazon.com. It, it, people want to look at stuff first. Like Vince, I understand that ideally you wouldn't want someone to send you a bunch of stuff. But if I'm working with a buyer, especially one that's very internet savvy, one of the first things I say is look at me as a partner. Feel free to still do your search on the internet if you want yeah. to, but look at me as an advisor, a consultant. I'm here to kind of guide you through the process. I'll still send you listings, but if you want to look and you want to do your, your own research, Feel free, but of course, please send me everything, and I'll try to filter it, you know, uh, for you. You know. So basically, are we encouraging our, our buyers oh. to continue this this behavior? I mean, it, I, I I do. I personally love it. I mean, as a, as a millennial and as a broker who's only who hasn't been in the business. You're a millennial. When, I'm shocking. Um, you know, not for long, but um, but <laughs> when, you know, I as a broker who wasn't in the business before technology, I will say whether it's a seller or a buyer, I always one of the first things I always say to them when we first are working together is we're a team like let's work as a team I may be the expert but you're also the client you're who's the one that needs to be happy just like I want you to be happy so we'll we'll send each other things and just like you know most brokers will send their client a bunch of listings and they'll say hey give me feedback I say to them so I'm gonna send you five give me your feedback and when you send me your feedback send me five then maybe I didn't send you and I'll give you my feedback but I mean Vince I think that isn't that the reason why people need brokers because you're not just seeing them online you're actually physically going to apartments previewing them seeing them at open houses going to see the new developments when they when, when they launch so you know your expertise in actually knowing the property and not yes. just seeing it the way that whoever is marketing it and sometimes they market it poorly unfortunately yeah. is trying to convey Fred Peters wrote a great piece on Forbes.com yes. last week or the yes. week before about the art of sales and how it's been lost and how Love you know Fred. when we when we would write those column ads that you talked about earlier for the New York Times or the Post, we would write an ad that gave you enough information to entice you, but didn't give you so much information that you didn't need to call somebody to get more information. And I think what happens now with technology is that people just see something online and they immediately say no to it because it was marketed poorly, exactly. not because it's right. not a great apartment. Sure. So right. you know, or you know, they just didn't understand everything about the apartment. So I think that technology is great, but sometimes too much information actually makes it more confusing. Mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree. And and I think the point there is if you don't market things correctly, I'm going to talk a little bit about that when we get to social media. I mean, you know, you can kill a listing if it's not marketed properly, if it's not photographed properly, if it's not, you know, it doesn't show the floor plan in its best light. I mean, there are so many things that you can do. 
And of course, listen, not all of the agents out there in our field are as great as all of us. <laughs> so you've got to deal with some True. of them who, <laughs> you know, and they they, you, they will make you pull your hair, every hair out of your head. Tracy, you want to say something? I do. That? Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> Phil um, spoke. Yay. It, oh, it, by the way, you must go to freelyandleasebreak.com. If you're yes. searching for rentals, oh, rentals, woo, woo, you must free look sponsorship. at these two sites. Absolutely. Well, you can see some of these fabulous listings and the photos, which it is true, as savvy as your buyer might be. Sometimes there really is no substitute for actually being there in the space with your trusted advisor, with your broker, because sometimes you have no idea that there is a fire station right next door, or you're looking at a brick wall, or the light isn't as good as it seems, or the layout just is a little kludgy that is not being captured by maybe too good of photos. So so it, it really is always good sometimes to be there. But going back to the theme of technology as a beacon and a, a help, um, I've got a lot of clients or customers overseas. So to be able to walk through an apartment, I have FaceTimed with a number of Absolutely. my clients. I've Absolutely. taken videos. It is so helpful yep. to be able to help them say, oh, you know, that's worth me booking a plane to uh, a ticket to come in to see this. I'd like to see it. Or I trust you. Let's go ahead. Let's do it. I, I did that at the, the Claire building that I'm selling uh, mm-hmm. last year at some point. A broker came to the site and said, would you do this for me? <clears throat> She's in China, blah, blah, blah. I said, Absolutely. So we walked around with, with FaceTime. Sure. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Those are the things that, I mean, that I agree with. All right. So, you know, now more than ever, agents are looking for technological advances to gain an edge over the competition. Consider the rapid rise of some of the several startup firms out there who shall remain nameless with a focus on developing cutting edge technology. Is it so cutting edge? I don't know. <laughs> Why are agents lured by the latest and greatest in technology? And what's the value added to them, the agent? Technology is not going to get your customers, guys. I mean, this I've been saying this for 100 years. I think, I think the time savings is, is the number one, I think, the number one ask of any agent, time savings, and then just having some type of artificial intelligence behind whatever you're using to kind of remind you to reach out to clients and take care of certain tasks. That's like, I think that's what we all yeah. want. Yeah, productivity, right? Productivity. Well, productivity tools. I'm, I mean, I understand that, yeah. And then the, on the more basic side of technology, you know, I know some of us, not to name names, Phil, really dislike Street Easy, but I actually, <laughs> you know, I don't like, like it we, we, I, You know, obviously, I don't like what they're doing to agents, but at the same time, I, I do really appreciate the fact, and I know that buyers really appreciate the fact that all of the information is out there to the public, or at least most. I mean, we talk about how bad the data is in New York City and how we can barely, you know, sift through it. It's actually great that I find that the client and us are almost, you know, um, open and exposed to the same data because no one likes when they feel like something's hidden. You know, so I, I can't tell you how many clients of mine will be like, oh, I found this apartment in the New York Times. Like they're still looking in the New York Times and and they find something and then I'll it's send them I'll send them the actual <laughs> listing and they're they're blown away by how much they missed on the New York Times. And they feel like something was, you know, being hidden. I, I love working with clients these days because they already know everything about it. There's nothing being hidden. And that's transparency, I think, is what helps. It's a great street easy is a great for, uh, is a great educational tool and great for research and it does help people get informed to the point where they can make a transaction but what they've done to their business is they've become these just internet interlopers and they're completely uh turning off a lot of buyers and i and i think a lot of rental listings don't end up making it there because of the charges for that so i think they've actually hurt the market and i think they've hurt developers and landlords. <clears throards. throat> um and it might you know it might not be a popular opinion but i just think that 
Oh, it's popular. Yeah, yeah it's well, popular. Also, you know, you know it, you've it, also got you've yeah. also yeah. got a website where you know they're just they're just determining where your listing falls. Right? Is it in Chelsea? Is it in Flatiron? Is it mm-hmm. in the Upper West Side? Is it in Upper Manhattan? Right. So they're they're, they're not creating correct. the boundaries, and they're not always right. So that's something that we've always had you know issue with. And again. You know, if you look at new developments like the terminology, past sales, mm. past sales includes closed listings, listings that are no longer on the market, listings that have never really been on the market, but maybe accidentally a data entry person activated for three seconds. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of misinformation out there that, that actually, I think that's why I think technology actually sometimes makes it more difficult for the buyer because and the seller to determine what the pricing of their apartment should be because the information is just not good. I mean, I just, just, to, just to be oh, clear, no, no, no. I'm against I just just using it as an example. Everybody stand by. we got to go to break. After the break, we're going to talk about social uh, media. This is Good Morning New York Real Estate <laughs> on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. What? Don't go away. We're coming back for segment four. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back for segment four with our cast of characters here. Before we get into talking about social media for this last segment, I want to ask about texting because I mentioned it at the top of the show. Let's discuss it a little bit and your communication strategies with your clients. How do you communicate with your buyers and sellers? 
Do you use text? Do you use email? Do you use the old-fashioned telephone call? What do, do you think or believe that your clients expect of you in, in way of getting in touch with them? Uh, and what's most comfortable these days? I mean, I'm, I'm look, I, I, I complain about a lot of things, as you all know. <laughs> I'm old. Via. But I also use text, and I text with my, my uh, clients all the time. I, but every time I hit the send button, I think, Really? Did you just do that? I mean, I take my cues from my clients. I have some clients that only like yeah, to text with me, or some, you know, that sellers now that they like to be in a group text for any appointment yes. requests, et cetera. Yeah. Some, you know, oh, yeah. so I, I respond in kind. If there's something super important, I will text and say, Do you have a few minutes for us to talk about this? Sometimes something is a little bit lost, but for the quick back and forth, I, you know, there's some clients who will never text me, so I don't text them. Right. Yeah, I get DMs a lot now. Like, I get oh, wow. Instagram DM mm-hmm. and then Facebook messages a lot. That's from, someone that, you're from actively your doing business with? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I don't really? Have that. Wow. I don't have that. Either. Yeah, I'm probably a, across five <laughs> different platforms. I would say, just depending upon what they prefer. So it's yeah. like well, uh, taking Tracy's lead. I mean, you gotta yeah, take course, your clients' lead, right? Yeah. And you only reserve like the most serious of conversations. Yeah, for an actual phone call. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. to because yeah. everybody is so it's in it's what is it like 10x more efficient to read than it is to actually speak listen and return. Sometimes it's more difficult to yeah. get people by by phone, even though that's our should be our preferred method, but you can't always get people on the phone. And to Tracy's point, I mean, you know, WhatsApp makes it incredibly yeah. easy well, to communicate world, yeah. with clients Absolutely. around the world. Yeah. Like, it's so much, I've put, you know, I've gone back and forth about offers, like, yeah. through WhatsApp. You know, why not? You can get it all in writing, you can refer back to it. Well, oh, the writing capability is out of the way. I think people have gotten very accustomed to it and comfortable with hiding behind their technology to communicate. Uh, I'm a little bit more old school. When it comes to negotiations, I like to do them in person or on the phone because to me, sales is still 90% emotional, mm-hmm. 10% financial. Oh, absolutely. And you, can't, you cannot emotionally connect lost. with somebody yeah. via text or, or email. Yeah. To not have the dialogue, the Absolutely. give and take, and, and hear the inflections of their voices or misread, or mis- well, the intention Correct. is misread. You know? Right. Also, like if you're working, let's say you're representing a representing a, a buyer as a buyer's agent, and you're asking the seller's agent, you want to find out like how flexible the seller is. I think it's terrible, terrible to just text them or email the seller's broker and say, hey, how flexible uh, is the seller's yeah, broker? Oh, absolutely. Because first of all, they're going to freeze up. They're not going <laughs> to say stuff over text or email, and they're just not going to be as honest. But even if they were to say, oh, well, a little bit or whatever, they would you still get so much more information on the phone. I mean, you really do for certain things like that. So generally, my my rule of thumb is during the negotiation phases, pretty much what, you know, whether you're working with your buyer, with your seller, or the two brokers to each other, I strongly advise doing it on the phone. Strongly advise. I'll back it up with an email, but I always have the conversation when yeah. negotiating. Yeah. All right, let's talk about social media. So branding benefits from social media exposure. Uh, among our favorites with real estate agents are LinkedIn for networking capabilities. YouTube, because of the visual appeal and videos, are really making a smashing comeback. And personal blogs that allow a broker or individual associate to show some personality and focus on individual specialties. Many agents maintain Facebook pages, Pinterest accounts, and Instagram accounts. I don't get Pinterest, whatever. (laughs) Each serves a different purpose, but all (laughs) increase visibility and are part of a successful marketing campaign. (laughs) All right, so here's the question. So, So has all of this stuff affected your business and how positively negatively flatline speak i mean on an actual 
commission wealth basis. It definitely does not have as much influence. But I would say for myself, I find a lot more enjoyment actually in the business through social media. I just think that it's something that we all really like what we do. And so being able to see other people liking it as well, um, or if you're having trouble, like seeing other people having trouble with it, or, you know, the biggest thing in New York, at least, is that we all follow a lot of each other. Like we follow a lot of agents. And so whenever there are off market opportunities, yeah. whenever there are, you know, sneak peeks of things that are coming on the market, we're all kind of in touch with each other. So it definitely provides more, you know, of an opportunity that we can share with our clients. But I just think social media is what it is. And it's a platform of let's have some fun with what we're doing. It's a gift of a touch point that we can have with clients. Whereas before we didn't have so much social interaction unless it was in person or over the phone, now we can socialize and be with our clients 24 hours a day just simply by sharing and communicating with them. I, I think I think it can be a driver of business um, in a big way. It's not it's not appropriate for every type of real estate, but uh, you know you look at what's going on. I live at Sky, and they have this like this lifestyle kind of image going on with Carmel Anthony and a bunch of pro athletes in the building. Um, and an I, amazing gym. It's, Amazing it's, it honestly might be one of the that best buildings in the city. Fantastic. It might be one yeah. of the best buildings in the city, and it's a rental. Well, it needs to be in the Sky Building on 42nd Street? Yeah. Well, the views is spectacular. I think social media, especially in a market like this, can remind people of what's out there when a broker is sifting through 90 listings in the same price point. Social media, Instagram is you know another listing system, and I think people are on it. But let me ask you guys, I agree with everything that you're saying, and especially as Jordan said, it is just another reminder, another touch point that, hey, I'm here and I'm in real estate and I can help you should you need my assistance. But have you guys ever actually sold a listing or rented an apartment from having it listed on Facebook or Instagram? I have multiple. I actually have. Yeah. Big tickets. And and, and you know what? Instagram stories. And that's I've got I've done a bunch of deals off Instagram stories. See, uh, that that's interesting to me because I don't think you? stories bring me business, but I have done deals from uh, Instagram well, you see and stuff. Facebook. Some, some random person has seen it or a friend or an acquaintance. Uh, bro- or brokers. brokers. Yeah, yeah. brokers. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing a photo shoot. I'm kind of recording what's going on. And they're like, what, what's that? What yeah. place is that? And, yeah. then, and we have a deal. I don't, it doesn't even hit streets. Well, as Matthew said, sneak peek. Sneak peek. Yeah. So if you're photographing an upcoming listing and before it's out there, a broker sees it on one of the platforms and they say, oh, wow, this looks like it might be something I'm looking for my customer. So let me give Sean a call or, or whatever. Again, the trees. It doesn't happen every day, but it happens. I have, a, I have an example. Last night I posted, um, we have 15 lofts launching at 11 East 36th Street and I posted a picture of all the keys in my stories and I already have appointments to you know, story post. Well, 15 loft, loft, the word loft is very appetizing. Inexpensive lofts. Inexpensive loss. Yeah. I mean, I'll also say, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's how to utilize generations, actually, how to utilize generation differences. Because, you know, again, at least for my age, what's what's interesting is that I'll post on social media and I'll feed it to Facebook because all of my parents and family friends are on there and they see it. So the generation between, you know, 50 and 70 see all my Facebook stuff. And I've gotten business that way just because Facebook is an amazing tool. So 1000% so well said because I. I agree with you. Facebook depends on the age group. You're going to get more business there. Anyway, that is the broadcast for today. Thanks for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at Vince Rocco. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America, all around the world, even you, Matthew, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.